Hello and welcome to another episode of Throwdown, an action cinema podcast where we take you through every decade and every corner of the world of action cinema. I'm one of your hosts, Jack, and I'm joined as always by my good friend Vaughn. Hey Jack, how are you doing today? I'm good, mate. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I am looking forward to talking about this one. It's very interesting. I didn't know what to expect going in, but I am I'm very excited to talk about it. So we'll say right at the top here, we are delving into the classic Japanese film The Tale of Zatoichi from 1962, directed by Kenji Misumai. And we're doing this as part of a, a small sort of Japanuary program. Japanuary, for those who don't know, is a month-long challenge in the sort of letterboxed and Twitter, film Twitter communities to watch more Japanese cinema and talk about Japanese cinema at large. It's hosted and curated by our good friend Ben Brazy. Benjamin, Brazy yes, Benjamin that's correct. Letterboxd, yeah. I think that's his, <laughs> yeah, that's his handle. Um, and we will pin the the original list in the description below. But yes, I wanted to bring in some classic Japanese cinema onto the onto the show. Um, it's the oldest film we will have covered. And what did you expect from Zatoichi before you went into it? And how did that how did that um, sort of differ from what you actually found the movie to be like? I don't know exactly what I expected. I think I haven't seen a lot of this kind of classic Japanese action. I was kind of looking through. Like, I haven't seen anything um, from Kenji Masumi until this. And uh, I saw he also did um, the, um, what is it, Lone Wolf and Cub uh, series. Um, another franchise that I haven't delved into yet. Mm-hmm. But I think I was kind of... I haven't also haven't seen the um, Takeshi Kitano Zatoichi film, but I think I was expecting something more along those lines because I know that film is a lot more um, action-focused. Um, and I was kind of thinking it would be a lot more of that kind of crazy uh, blind swordsman action. And what I got was a lot different because what I got is a lot, a much more kind of pensive and zen film that is really kind of minimalistic on the action side of it and it's very much about building up this character of Zatoichi until you get to the action-packed finale but even that finale is not quite as focused on uh, the action itself no this is this is an action movie where the action is like few and far between it's mainly about that humanistic yeah. drama and setting up the character and the world that Zatoichi is going to be in because this is a series of 26 films or so it also spun out into a 100 episode TV show so this is very much laying the foundations for the character and then he's going to get into all sorts of crazy misadventures that are quite similar to the one um we'll talk about today involving sort of gambling and yakuza triads and you know misinformation and things dramatic things happening in local towns as he hops to and from them but um the character of zatoichi himself is this sort of traveling blind masseuse who is secretly like the world's most incredible swordsman who never really sort of shows it off yeah. until he needs to <laughs> Um, he roams from town to town navigating local conflicts as i say and gambling and drinking and ultimately he's going to save the day in most of these movies but this first one i I really like i've seen this one a couple of times now and as i as i mentioned at the end of our previous episode i still need to finish this series of movies i think i've got about four or five of them left in the 26 um film saga 
Um, but I, I keep coming back to this one. I don't know why I, I want to return to how it all starts. I think it's probably because this is... I think this is the only one in black and white, or maybe the second one is also in black and white. But I oh, just okay. love how stark and um, sort of deep all the imagery in this is. Oh, yeah. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, I was I was very taken by it. It is very interesting because it does take this this character that you you don't know anything about, and he kind of just shows up. It's almost um, it reminded me a little bit of like a Yojimbo, where it's yeah. kind of got that that drifter kind of feel, where he just shows up in this this town that's run by this gang, and um, immediately they are trying to take advantage of him, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the the recurring theme throughout the whole movie is these. This gang of Yakuza who have nothing else in their eyes but money and mm-hmm. they just all they want is to find any way to take advantage of everyone else and leverage their power to get more money. And you get this this blind masseuse comes in and he uh, he seems very innocent and unassuming. He ends up playing uh, a dice game with them and immediately... Uh, has the upper hand, even though none of them know it, and ends up taking all their money. And he uses blindness, sort of like this ruse, to to con them, sort of double down in this yeah. dice game. So he loses the first round, really obviously, and sort of shows the dice so they can all gamble accordingly. And then he pu- literally pulls dice out of his sleeve in the second round and uh, <laughs> cons them into like doubling down on their money and losing everything, and him walking away, you know, the victor there. I think that's a nice introduction to his sort of character. He's kind of like a, a little scamp, a little sort of rascal going from town to town. Yeah. And then evidently he'll get caught up in the local drama and that's when sort of the, the hero- more heroic side of Zatoichi really shines in these stories. Yeah, because as soon as they realize that he is more than meets the eye, they the uh, the leader of the gang wants to have him stay there and kind of help them mm-hmm. out. And when they then realize in turn that he is this master swordsman, then it's, oh, well, you need to help us with this conflict that we're having with the the gang the next town over. And then it kind of takes off from there as the, the main conflict of the film. Yeah, the easiest way to win over a, a Yakuza mob boss is to slice a candle in half um, very deftly. It is very sort of uh, yeah. uh, incredible <laughs> the way he does it, because it's not a large candle. Um, and this man is blind, so you know he's a good swordsman. You know, he's got his heightened other senses, sort of daredevil vibes of being able to hear everything <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and act accordingly. I love those sequences are so great because you've got these scenes where the the mob boss is talking to the rest of the gang and he's talking about how they're going to use Zatoichi as this pawn in their game and eventually it's just him you realize that he's just been sitting in the back the whole time and nobody's paid attention <laughs> yeah. to the fact that he's there listening to the whole conversation he definitely does a great job of it it definitely establishes that character of he knows exactly you know, how everyone else thinks of him mm-hmm. and leverages that to always have the upper hand, even though everyone thinks they're getting one over on him. Which is very much a recurring theme, as you can imagine, throughout this movie, especially moving into a, a new environment with a new set of characters. No one really sort of um, takes much notice of Zatoichi until, you know, the, the three quarters of the way through the movie where he's taking down the right. local uh, syndicate or something like that. So, yeah, he's hired to sort of uh, fight for this local gang syndicate and there is an opposing gang who have also hired a a, a traveling ronin a samurai of sorts um master hirate and the two of them zatoichi and hirate like mistakenly just like find each other and go fishing and sort of build this friendship build this bond between them over the yeah. course of the movie which I, I really enjoy yeah i think that's that's really the core of it is that these two characters 
are are equally disinterested in mm-hmm. this this these warring gangs. They don't really care about the violence of it. They don't really want to get involved, but they've kind of been roped into it by the respective gangs. And so it's just kind of them bonding through that and like becoming friends as these two guys that just want to hang out and go fishing. <laughs> and you get this kind of these these interesting parallels between when you've got Zadoichi like in the in the house and he's in these confined spaces with all of these other Yakuza members who are just like trying to figure out how to do the how to commit their violence and how to beat the other gang because it's all they're interested in and then you get that up against these beautiful like open spaces mm. where Zadoichi is just like hanging out and fishing and relaxing and doesn't matter at all when uh, when you're outside of those spots because it's it definitely makes it clear that this conflict is completely unimportant. It's unimportant to them. They are very much in it for the money, as traveling Ronin are want to do. I think Zatoichi haggles up from a, a three row uh, payment to eight row, um, so he's getting the yeah. you know getting bang for his buck. But the the sort of unlikely friendship between these two swordsmen sort of grows, and then we we learn that. Um, Master Harate is 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 dying of, um, or he's got con- consumption. You know, like an early stage T- yeah. TB, which uh, in feudal Japan is not exactly um, great to cure or treat. So um, when they're going in, ultimately to the the final gang warfare stuff, Zatoichi has to be the one to to take Master Harate's life out right. as this sort of act of friendship and honor to not let him fall to the hands of these these menacing mobs yeah. just to you know strike him down with his own blade and you know a sort of true a true samurai a true ronin's death which is a a narrative theme that pops up a lot in these sort of samurai movies yeah i think that whole third act is really fascinating it's played so interestingly because you have kind of been waiting the whole movie for the the violence to actually happen and for the action to kind of erupt and when the conflict does come it's it's very much not focused on the action itself it's just kind of like the the action that you do see is just kind of this vicious chaos and it's not like it it is it's not like beautifully choreographed but it's also very intentionally not that because it's not trying to like enjoy the violence it's just like these guys are just kind of killing each other for no reason and you know there's there's nothing to get out of this and they are just violently slashing at each other and the only thing that you that that is actually kind of choreographed and more care is put into it is that final duel and it's almost presented more as a a kindness between these two friends yeah when you've got the 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 triads sort of going into these these villages and just sort of brutishly bashing through there's no beauty to it there's no artistry to the way that they move there's no like almost sportsmanship to any of it it is very much frantic there is no real thought or care behind you like you couldn't even really tell that these are like practiced swordsmen they are very much just like hacking and slashing desperately at them and then the beauty of um, like a, a proper samurai one-on-one fight comes in those latter stages, as you say, where it's more slow and sophisticated and calm. Because um, the art of a like sort of Japanese samurai duel is so swift and simple and clean, and it can be over in literally just like one or two moves. That's that's quite um, right. Sort of the the antithesis to so much of what we see in action cinema and what we gravitate towards in action cinema, where you compare it to like a Hong Kong movie that has a stretch of ten minutes in wild wildly different locations and 
big strings of blocking and action there um in in the sort of feudal japanese style these these matches these duels these battles are over in like a flick of the wrist which is a, yeah. an art form that was definitely influenced the likes of those early Star Wars movies before they came all flips and, and tricks and 360 yeah. no-scopes. <laughs> it was very much true. George Lucas trying to do these samurai battles that are sort of graceful and uh, beautiful in their own way. But there's a nice, as you say, there's a nice counterbalance between that artful duel and just the messy mob warfare of them just tackling each other through fences and slashing between villages. It's... Ugh ugly ugly stuff but it looks so good in that that black black and white cinematography yeah the cinematography is is absolutely gorgeous there's so many like everything is kind of shot through like this this kind of filtered space it's always kind of through trees and leaves and it's kind of always composing with the the nature around it and or you get these these interior shots where they're very kind of cold and sterile because it's just kind of these these angry plots for violence um but yeah, when in, there is that that final sequence, I think what's also great about those those final scenes is that you've got the the bosses both kind of when they realize what they've gotten themselves into and the violence is actually happening, and suddenly they're like, "Oh, I'm terrified of the violence because I don't want to be one of the people that's actually killed." So they immediately just run away and uh, hide until it's over, and then he is like, "Okay, we won," you know, and he's and he's reveling in this victory that he ran away from and. It's just like it's so cheap, and you definitely are uh, on the side of Zadoichi, who just is like, "All right, I, you know, I fulfilled my duty. I'm going to get my money, and I'm going to move Absolutely. on to the, the next yeah. thing." Um, yeah, the cinematographer Chikashi Makiuri um, worked on a lot of these Zatoichi movies, and I believe the Lone Wolf, okay. Lone Wolf and Cub movies as well. And you see his style evolve. But I like how you sort of pinpointed his inclusion of nature and sort of shooting through the surrounding environment, which is a, a distinct visual style which I feel he develops over the course of his career. A lot of these Zatoichi okay. sequels, when it comes to you know Zatoichi actually battling people, I, there is a lot of sort of wide open space a lot of negative space used in the frame not necessarily yeah. honing in on Zatoichi and his sword skills but just sort of taking in the landscape at the same time which paints these nice murals of these these eras yeah i almost wonder if how much of the like construction of this film was kind of built on limitations like if if it was that, you know, intentionally from the start we were going to keep this very minimalistic or if it was kind of the the time period of we don't necessarily have the the resources to, you know, design these big bombastic sequences or fill the whole thing with with action and let's, you know, figure out how to kind of pare it down and then as a as the series goes on and now that it's become this kind of phenomenon we can expand and make this a, a bigger mm. thing because i've pigeoned them pigeonholed them on this series as action movies that more like sort of socio dramas and period dramas yeah. with like light comedy um and then the action to sort of like ground it towards the end and that's sort of the the central thrust of it as you know that zatuichi at any time could um hypothetically right. stop someone from doing x because he is this well-trained blind swordsman but I, I like how he always, I say he always, in this movie he gets very ingrained in the local culture and the local drama, um, like making friends, making enemies, um, right. empathizing with uh, the, the pregnant woman who was ultimately murdered. 
Um, he very much roots himself in the local community to get a better understanding of what's at stake during these local warfares and these local gangs. Yeah, because he, he definitely wants to get an idea of kind of who is actually worth protecting. You know, he's he's just, he, he knows that the gang is only trying to use him, so he uses that to, well, I'm just going to, you know, if I can convince them that I am as masterful a swordsman as I am and make that clear, then I can leverage that into making my money. I don't have to worry about these guys. They're all going to get themselves killed. I can get my money and I can get out. And who are the people here that actually need me to to care about them and to put my effort into? And, you know, even when that ends up being fruitless, he's he definitely knows the people that he needs to actually care about because... They are worth protecting. Yeah, he's abiding by this sort of, like, uh, not necessarily well-established samurai code, but that you can tell that there is sort of this internal code to how he operates mor- morally, um, who he opposes, who he, who he chooses to stand beside, and how, how invested and how involved he gets into the local conflict. Yeah, and I think it, it definitely comes from, you know, him being established as this um, masseuse character where he's he's got this background of ultimately he wants to care for people, but he's in this world where that's kind of not possible. And because of him being blind, he's like, well, I needed to develop these swordsman skills to be able to protect myself. And, you know, he's kind of He's almost reluctant to be in the situation that he's in, but he's got a he kind of sees it as the way the thing that he's got to do because it's it's how he's going to make money and move through the world as he's got to protect himself. Yeah, it's similar to Lone Wolf. I like the the idea of the the isolated samurai, the one who sort of carries the weight of the world upon his shoulders but can never re- truly make these bonds and these friendships because at the end of the day he will be moving on shortly whether he gets involved in the local drama or whether there is nothing to interfere with on that specific day. But um spoiler alert, in these movies there's always something to get involved with. There's always something <laughs> something going wrong, some um mobsters doing something someone being betrayed and zatoichi is there to lend a necessary helping hand so i'm interesting i'm interested in kind of the i'll definitely have to go through the rest of these films at some point as as long as it'll take me i'm sure it'll take well, me several years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get through the whole franchise what are some of your like highlights from the the zatoichi series I'm pull up the list now i will say now i i some of these movies do blur together just because i do watch them in sort of bursts so i think right. a couple of years ago one of my new year's resolutions was to finish the whole series and i was like okay i've got like it's still not done I'm still not done <laughs> spoiler alert didn't finish it but there's um there's I think there's, there's 26 movies i think i watched them in sort of bursts of like six or five or something like that just to get a feel it's, it's a world i enjoy living in i enjoy being in these worlds for like 90 minutes a piece and just following my friend zatoichi on his adventures um some of my highlights come quite late in the series not to say that there aren't some beautiful ones before that I've, i distinctly remember i think it's the third one I'm going to pull up here. The, no, not the third one. <laughs> it's definitely got a... <laughs> is it the fourth one? I'm going to go earliest first. I'm just looking at my ratings and reviews as well, because there are... Oh, yeah. It does seem like there's a lot of variation, at least in the uh, the artwork. So I assume there's some variation in how the uh, 
everything evolves in the the style and the yeah i mean like it's you're never gonna well you might see zatoichi fight predator which is this fantastic <laughs> I YouTube should watch show that. you should check out but you're never gonna see him doing anything overly complicated or overly adventurous it was all based in uh local gang warfare local tax local economics um zatoichi in the chest of gold um sees him sort of recover this stolen transit tax money that the governor is accused someone of stealing so he's going off on this adventure to do that there's zatoichi the fugitive where he's like this wanted man now because of something he's done um later on we have zatoichi in the chess expert which is just a fantastic pair up they have these um there's a series of like pair-ups between Zatoichi and other iconic um, hallmarks of Asian cinema. So you have Zatoichi meeting Yujimbo, oh, that's <laughs> played awesome. by Toshiro Mifune, which is a fantastic um, meet-up. And then we have Zatoichi meets the One-Armed Swordsman, which was a particular favorite of mine, starring Jimmy Wang Yu as his typical sort of heroic bloodshed swordsman character. And that one is spe- um, particularly fun. Um, and it's probably my favorite of the series so far, but I do have a okay. few more to go. But as I say, they are consistently good. I don't think I've seen anything that I've rated less than three stars. I think they're all okay. uh, they're all good. all worthwhile. Yeah, I'd say they're all worthwhile. So when people pick out that Zatoichi Criterion box set, I'm like, yeah, good investment. There is, a, I don't think there's a bad grape in the bunch, but there is a, a an, an element of versatility and variety to the different adventures he goes on there is like small levels of growth but they're quite insular in that he'll learn and grow as a character and get to know people but by the end of the film and the start of the next one it's almost kind of like a clean slate oh, okay. you can feel he's he's growing and he's aging right but as he as he continues to move from town to town and encounters more things this the character development is very um committed to that one specific film over the 90 minutes or so yeah and i love that uh shintaru katsu plays him throughout the entire series i love that like he's so he's so phenomenal in just the first film playing that character like you can Mm -hmm. tell he's already kind of living and breathing this character and is is very very at peace with with who he's playing it's just a phenomenal performance it's very good and like to have the commitment to do 26 26 movies and then a hundred tv show episodes playing this this character but as you say he embodies that character so beautifully like it's just like natural to him i don't know where zatoichi ends and the actor begins really yeah i definitely need to to get through some more of these i would love to to watch a lot more of these and i just need to in general get through a lot of these classic um japanese action franchises because i'm very very interested in in a lot of them um it seems like uh, i can see you really liking the lone wolf and cub series i think there's okay. five five or six of them and those are dare i say more adventurous in their not necessarily their storytelling but their action definitely is executed with a bit more flair and a bit more panaz and a, a bit more exaggeration a lot of these zatoichi movies are kind of um, just played relatively straight it is just warfare and quick hack and slash stuff yeah. you're not gonna see like eyes popping or heads like being decapitated <laughs> so a little more speak. reserved but in lone wolf and cub you're gonna get ample doses of that and okay. the the titular cart is loaded with all sorts of weapons and something and it's it's a it's a great series um but i'm very intrigued by 
this movie. I don't know if you've seen it slash heard of it, but have you ever heard of Blind Fury from 1989? The Zatoichi remake from America starring Rutger Hauer. Oh, interesting. I don't think I blind have heard Fury. of that. It is blind a, Fury. Oh, look at that. A blind Vietnam <laughs> blind Vietnam vet <laughs> coming back and sort of taking his revenge on the world it's 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 okay it's it's quite fun I, I should probably revisit that at some point I love um, this poster it's like, that's, that's oh great. it's a great poster it looks like such a fake movie uh, oh it like really a serial does box cover but yeah blind fury from 1989 is a perfect comparison point or like a double a double hitter with the tale of zatoichi yeah so you can see how the east does it and you can see how um the bad faith west take on it is but and have you seen uh the katano version I have seen the Katano version, which I will say again is nothing quite like the the originals. I think there's a much more bombastic sort yeah. of over the top style, which um, I'm sure you you can imagine happening in that film. Oh, certainly, I do. I'm a huge fan of uh, Katano's stuff, so I'm very interested in his take on the on the character. Yeah, that one is very much like blood everywhere balls to the wall action like you're not going to get as much of the reserved musings of okay. these original zatoich movies which is good I, I i watched it and i think I, I gave it a three star or something and said that um i i sort of was, was missing the the sort of reserved nature of the original but as a sort of blood riot feud of <laughs> japanese feudal warfare i think it's very fun um it also ends spoiler alert with like a musical number i think which was okay absolutely wild which kind of took me out the movie but yeah definitely worth watching um and the zatoichi movies at large i would say are very much worth diving into when you feel the need i will definitely do that i'll have to add um maybe the uh, lone wolf and cub and some of these other things to my my japanuary list and see what i can get to in the rest of the month here yeah yeah definitely even just like one installment or two installments i think you'll you'll get a taste for it i think zatoichi i'm, I'm always in the tank for I'm, I'm a fan i would say i'm a fan of his film his films the films <laughs> of yeah. zatoichi but lone wolf and cub i got through very quickly because it's based on a manga so there is okay. just sort of, this sort of like overarching story and this narrative at play between the the dynamic between the titular lone wolf and cub um and as they grow um but th- that's a six film series which much more digestible <laughs> yes exactly and there's a, a bit more variety in terms of sort of like exploitation like almost grindhousey vibes to okay. it in terms of the blood splattering and the, the practical effects on display whereas the zatoichi movies are more of the I, i'd class if i was to i know they're both criterion releases but lone wolf and cub to me always feels more like a, of like an arrow release right whereas the zatoichi stuff always feels more criterion just in their sort of prestige way yeah no, that makes sense. lone wolf and cub feels a bit more pulpy a bit more right. um a bit more sleazy in some regards but i i love them both dearly well once again that is our our first film here from our little japanuary series that we will continue through the end of the month here um and once again head over to uh brazy benjamin's account on letterbox and he has the master list for japanuary if you want to check that out and participate and we'll link that in the description um and then next week so we're going to continue continue our Japanuary adventures, and we are going to talk about Roaring Fire from 1982, directed by Norifumi Suzuki, a fantastic action film starring Hiroyuki Sanada, 
going to talk about that next week so come back and join us for that um as always you can find us on the twingeeks.com you can also find us on letterbox twitter blue sky all those good places all those links are down in the description um and we'll join you next week for roaring fire we'll see you then vaughn see you next week jack 